So I absolutely love, 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 love these episodes. I love speaking to the guests and figuring out all the amazing wisdom and hearing it all from them. It is a bright spot in my week. However, I was thinking that we need a little bit of a pick-me-up, especially when it comes to Thursday in the week, right? As you're kind of getting maybe in that dip and debating whether or not you're going to finish strong. So we have added in you know, a micro podcast that's dropping on Thursdays. It is under 10 minutes long and it is meant to do exactly what I said, help you finish the week strong. The first one dropped last week, go back and check it out if you have not had a chance. And if not, you know, click the download button so that you can automatically download them every single week. And like I said, under 10 minutes, so don't have to spend much time on it. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible J.M. Ryerson. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. I am so excited to have J.M. Ryerson on the show today. You know, J.M.'s just this really cool entrepreneur. I came across him right after I launched, and I have to say, I think him and I are going to have a really great conversation today, guys, because we share a lot of similar values and, you know, just our way of looking at the world. But let me give you a little bit more background about him. So he is an entrepreneur and a mental performance coach who has been building companies and leadership sale and leading sales teams for 20 years. He is the co-founder and CEO of Let's Go Win, whose mission is to increase leadership, enhance culture, and help teams achieve peak performance. God, guys, those that, those are a million amazing things that everybody wants, right? Um, JM believes that everything rises and falls on leadership. And based on this belief, he has spent his career focused on enriching the lives of others while continuing to educate himself on best practices in leadership, vulnerability, and teamwork. His ability to impart some of the knowledge to you might be his greatest contributions to you and to the team's success. And his passions are helping team members lead a life of fulfillment and become vulnerable and open to what life has in store for them. I just, I absolutely love that. Um, his ultimate goal is to give others the tools that will allow them to transcend their self-limiting beliefs. There is nothing more inspiring than to watch someone achieve more than they could ever have imagined. That is why JM considers it a real privilege to be part of other people's incredible journeys. And he also, he was raised in Montana and now lives in Granite Bay, California with his wife, Lisa, and two amazing boys. So thank you so much for joining us today, JM. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Uh, Michelle, truly my pleasure. And thank you. You, you did great. I mean, that, that's a long <laughs> bio. My gosh, we need to shorten that thing. I know, you know, some people give me long and then I shorten it for them, but I liked yours. And I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm reading this all. I'm just going to use all the vocal inflections on this one. We're going to get through it. You crushed it. <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And one fun fact too, is I have two boys as well. So I can attest to how much energy that is in your household. <laughs> it's busy. It's never boring. And it, as I, the smile on your face tells it all, they are awesome. They, yeah. they truly are what, you know, we, we do this stuff for. So I know exactly, exactly. That entrepreneurial freedom definitely comes in handy um, for raising kids, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. I can't imagine, you know, not being able to go to all their sports and, and to see yeah. all these amazing things that they're doing. So for sure, that's why I love one of the reasons I love being an entrepreneur for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, I mean, well, tell us a little bit about, you know, you've had kind of a cool journey as your bio said, like you've been leading sales teams for over 20 years. So tell us about your journey and, you know, specifically anything where resilience, because that's our topic here, um, has come into play, as I know it definitely has as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So 20 years, my goodness, that's, that's, a, that's <laughs> pretty amazing to say that aloud. Um, resilience specific to entrepreneur. I mean, that's just what you do. If right? you're not ready to just get your teeth kicked in and have to rise again, again, and again, and again, don't sign up for it because that's just <laughs> what it is. And, I, you know, I don't know that I knew that going into 20 years ago. What I heard when I first interviewed is you can make no, no glass ceiling and you can play golf on Fridays. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and that led me on this path. So maybe it was naivety at the time. But what I realized is what you talked about was the, the freedom to, to play golf on a Friday or to not have people put a ceiling on what I can make from an income and to be able to schedule my own, you know, however I'd like my schedule to look. So all those are the amazing parts of being an entrepreneur. The, the, the challenge is the grit. Mm -hmm. um, truly, you know, I've gone through three recessions now, you know, quote unquote recessions. Mm -hmm. And anytime you go through that, you're going to face some challenges. And what I would say, what has always been, I didn't necessarily look at it the first time, but I think the second time, you know, 2010, 2008, nine and 10, that's when we, business really got better because right. we had to, when things are going great, you're not necessarily looking at how to fix your business. You're like, why would I fix something that's not broke? Right. But when you right. really, when the world kind of smacks you, that's when you have to look and say, how can we be better at what we're doing? And so that's when, even when the pandemic has, as we're going through now, that's some challenges. People mm -hmm. had to pivot, but you know what? I bet your business got better. I bet you yeah. know your business that much better. So it's always a blessing in disguise, but it's not easy. I understand that. And you just, the resiliency is such a great word because you just need to be able to be clear on what you're doing why you're doing it, and that why is going to get you out of bed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so would you, I always like asking this question, if you had known what you were in for, would you have still done it? If well, somebody had told you? I wouldn't miss it. Now, yeah. it's a good question you ask. I was asked the other day, would you have your kids go into <laughs> That's a completely different topic. Oh my goodness. I couldn't say yes, because as parents, we try to protect them. Yeah, And so, um, you know, my folks were the same way. I remember when I first, uh, when I changed careers, when I went from corporate into this world of being independent and being an entrepreneur, I remember my dad said, Hey, what's the salary? And I'm like, there is none. <laughs> You're like, um, like negative? Oh, well, the benefits must be amazing. And I'm like, no, 
there's none there either. And I remember my dad who does not cuss. He's like, what the blank are you doing? And I was like, dad, you just got to trust me on it. Exactly. So it's not easy, right? When, when you're choosing to take this path, especially he was a big decision maker with me at that time, because that yeah. was my early 20s. And to have, you know, someone I look up to both my folks to say, I don't think this is the best thing for you. That takes resiliency to say, nope, yeah. I believe in what I'm doing. So anybody that's going on that path or has gone through it, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know a single entrepreneur who has not had that, like, what the hell am I doing moment, you know, or has not had it said to them by somebody else. I think, you know, similarly to you, when I walked away from, you know, six figures, my family was like, you're off your rocker. And I was like, I'm off my rocker, but at least it's my rocker. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's all you can say is like, now I can chart the course, right? Well, you can always say you took your shot. You can right. say that you really followed whatever that passion is. And I know that word gets overused, but truly, if you're unhappy, it doesn't matter. There's no amount of money that right. is going to make right. somebody happy if they're doing something they're not, they don't yeah. enjoy. Yeah. So why do it? We are not on this earth very long. And all the companies that I am a part of or have been a part of, fun is always one of the values that I put in there. It's just, mm -hmm. it's so important to me. Yeah. Because I'm like you and I have been laughing since we've been on, you know, just talking. That's how it should be. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Man, I don't want to be, you know, stick in the mud or just boring. I, I, look, I can do that when I'm dead. Exactly. I mean, and I think around here we say like infuse the joy, right? Like if you can't find it, because I'm big Brennan Bouchard, shout out to him, right? Like find the joy, all of that good stuff. But I think, you know, I run into so many clients who they forgot the freedom part that's supposed to come with entrepreneurship. And, you know, they're doing the grind of like 60 plus hours a week and they're miserable. And I'm like, well, because you forgot the other half, the time, you know, wealth that's supposed to come with it. Um, you know, so I just, I, I can't say enough about putting the joy in purposefully. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent with you. you it, it's just a way of life. You got to do it. I know. I love it. Um, so let's talk leadership, my dear, because I really loved the line in your bio that said everything rises and falls with leadership. And I think that's, you know, that it's just so true, good, bad, all the different kinds. And I know like you believe in integrity and leadership and servitude and different things like that. So, you know, give us your two cents, give us your two cents on what that, that statement actually means to you. Well, leadership comes down to one word for me and it's influence. So that doesn't mean a title. That doesn't mean some accolade. It's literally your influence. Now, leadership is an ever-evolving. You can lose it in a heartbeat or you can continue to get better and, and improve on it. And so I told, what I said in that bio is, is I believe, right. any experience that I've had, good, bad, or indifferent, when I look back, I look at the leadership and I'm like, I was all in with their vision. Those were always the good ones. Yeah. When we weren't clear on our vision or I didn't believe in business partners, that leadership team wasn't on the same page. It was awful. So yeah. imagine if you're feeling that way as a partner, which I did in my second company. I mean, it was five years, five, almost six years of hell, <laughs> but I was a part of it. And it was all because the leadership wasn't on the same page. So I think when you really look at leadership, it's never done. You're always looking to improve. And the other thing, I say this, I don't know how many times, but it's not about you. As yeah, a leader, not. No. it's not. 
you will never see any of my teammates or anyone I work with in any capacity. And it's a small thing. And I know Simon Sinek wrote on it, leaders eat last. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I agree that simple statement, yeah. you'll never see me go up before because it's just a small sign, just a small thing to say, you know what, I put you before me. And, you know, that's a small thing. And servant leadership is just such a cool thing. If you really want to dive into what being a servant leader is and what that entails, I'm not suggesting it's always easy, right? Because we have have egos and things that we want to feed, but I'll tell you what, if you can remember, it's not about you. It's pretty amazing what you can accomplish with your teammates. Yeah. I mean, that, that fact that it's not about you. I mean, I, you and I probably have both seen this plenty of times when we've seen the leaders that maybe we don't want to become who sometimes are, you know, equally valuable in educating us from that perspective. But um, explain for those at home that don't know exactly what servant leadership is. Just, just give us a sound bite around that a little bit more in depth. Well, the, what's ringing in my head is no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Exactly. And so being a servant leader is truly saying, I, I am here to serve you. You're not, it's not vice versa. I don't care what the hierarchy looks like. Look, from CEO to executive to janitor, in my opinion, everyone is the same. I don't, I'm not a big title person. And I know some people, they like that. And that's cool, man. Like that's your thing. That's your thing, yep. But just remember that as a leader, you, they are not there to serve you. You are there to serve them. They are believing in your vision or they're not. They're not. In fact, if you look at the top five reasons employees aren't happy, number three comes down to lack of belief in in senior leadership. So it's so vitally important that you check in on that. And that saying of no one cares what you know until they know that you care has always tried to rein me back if my ego does get out of control or if I start to say I It's never I. I've never accomplished one thing on my own. I don't care what it is. You always have a team around you. And whether it's your support system at home or your teammates at work, it's always we. It's never I. Yeah. I mean, so what do you feel about the term self-made then? Because I hear that a lot and I'm like, self-made? How would I have done this by myself? (laughs) Like, you know, I get what baby people are saying, but what's your two cents on that? I think contextually, I understand what they're saying as well. Like they didn't get handed you know, a million dollars or some inheritance. I think that's what people are really trying to say. And contextually, that's cool, man. Like my father came, my father-in-law, excuse me, came over from Thailand with $200 in his pocket. My mother-in-law, pretty similar story from from China. And it's like, you could say they were self-made, but they made each other together. They, they, They were blessed by so many people along the way. So it is an interesting concept to say self-made. And it's just, I guess if you you get into the semantics of, you know, context, it's like, what does that really mean? So I know, I know what they're saying, but it is truly always a team effort. And we we're you know, authors, mentors, books, you know, people that have lent a hand, they're all part of your journey. Right. Amen. Amen to that. I think there's, I'm a big believer that there's nobody that steps foot into your life that wasn't supposed to be there. And maybe that's a little woo woo for some people listening, but you know, I just, I believe it to the core that everyone comes in, you know, good, bad, ugly, and different, whatever it is, but there's a reason for it and something to teach you. Um, you know, but I, I, I'm on board with what you're saying. Like I get what they're trying to say, but. I am just laughing because I literally sent out a group text. I send out every single morning and it says, I trust when people 
meet. We meet for a transcendent reason and that the challenges we face in life are always lessons that serve our soul's growth. That was a quote by Marianne Williamson, but it's literally when you said, I'm like, did I send that to you as well? <laughs> no, you did it. But apparently the universe did, my friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just so true. Um, you know, and on the flip side of that, from the leadership perspective too, I've had a lot of clients that have said to me, you know, and I've even said, found myself saying this sometimes is it's lonely at the top. Um, you know, when you are serving, um, understanding what those boundaries look like, understanding, you know, and finding people because you can't complain down that doesn't happen as a leader, right? That's not, that's not fair to your team from my perspective. So what, what's your opinion on kind of that lonely at the top mentality? So again, I understand that idea. However, and literally not to go, it sounds very egotistical, but I wrote okay. about it in the first chapter of my book, it's vulnerability. And when people say that to me, the most profound lesson I've learned in my professional career is to be vulnerable. Because it is lonely at the top if I'm having to look a certain way. One of the things I think leaders get a uh, mistake is that they need to know all the answers. Yeah. How boring would life be if one human being knew all the answers? Which, by the way, it's, it's not possible, right? Even if you're the Stephen Hawking with the highest IQ ever, guess what? Maybe socially you don't know the answer or vice versa. So I understand what people are saying by that. But if you truly are willing to be open and be your authentic self, it doesn't have to be lonely. And that has allowed my teammates throughout to really embrace me, all my strengths and all my weaknesses. There's nothing to hide. And that is such a freeing experience because we begin with masks on. Like, I don't know if it's middle school or when it starts, mm -hmm. but to fit in, we put these masks on. Guess what? Masks become heavy. You got to take that stuff off, man. You got to be you. And so when you say it's lonely at the top, that's a choice that you're making, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be. There's so much room at the top if you allow for people to rise up with you. And so you can either bring somebody up or you can put them down. And when people say it's lonely at the top, I think they're not allowing people to be the, up there with them. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes against servant leadership right? In a way, like you're, you're elevating and you're giving yourself a class above in a way that's lonely. I mean, are some of the decisions, you know, difficult, more difficult at, at the top? Maybe they're different. It's a different level that you need to approach things with. But to your point, that level of vulnerability, you know, I've, I've always found too that, you know, having a mask on is exhausting. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's only so long that you can keep it up until the people start to see the cracks, right? So I just, I couldn't agree more with you on that. And I mean, have you, did you kind of always know that? <laughs> or did it take no. you some, take you some time to figure that one out? You know, I, I was pretty blessed. I, if you ask my mom, I kind of beat to my own drum and I, I was always confident in who I was. But were there moments, of course, that we all have been tested. I remember after having my third knee surgery, which basically effectively ended my athletic career, I didn't, I lost my identity for a moment, right? Because I had wrapped so much of who I was, success or whatever at that age into athletic prowess and accolades and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, at that point, sure. Did I feel like, you know, maybe I don't know who I am, but guess what? If you truly believe in you can shape whatever identity that is, 
and then the imposter syndrome doesn't take over. It's all about what you're trying to accomplish. What are you trying to do? So like, for instance, you are bringing so much to this world and entrepreneurs about your experiences. That's an amazing thing. Anybody that poo-poos that or says, oh, you're not, you don't know what you're talking Trust me, she knows what she's talking about and she is willing to give everything she has. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, but 100%, I've seen it happen. I've, I've gone through that and, yeah. and I was pretty blessed, like I said, for that knee surgery to happen because it allowed me to take a whole nother path and journey and go study abroad and do things that I didn't expect to do, right. but it taught me a lot about who I really was. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, it's kind of like you got stuck in that box, right? Of like, this is, this is the identity, right? You see that a lot with folks who go into things like law or medical professions. Like, here's your box, stay in your box and follow the path that, you know, is associated with that box. But I think people forget that, to your point, you miss all the other stuff outside the box, <laughs> you know, like you, like you said. Well, let's go to a cocktail party and you meet somebody, they're like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm an attorney. It's like, to your point with the box, I don't really care what you do for a yeah. living. Tell me about you. Yeah. And, yeah. But we do, we have naturally been taught and conditioned to say, I'm so-and-so, this is what I do. It's like, you're way more than that. Exactly. You probably enjoy golfing, spending time with your kids. I, I don't know, building homes for all I know. I don't know what you, you're into, but I promise you it's way more than whatever you just said in that, hi, nice to meet you, I'm this. Yeah. That's just one label that you, you are starting to identify and, and put on yourself. Exactly. And I think when it comes to things like resilience and just real life stuff, those labels almost stop us from the ability to connect as human beings, I feel, because we're so busy keeping that label intact that, you know, we forget that the person next to us is going through hell or, you know, that we're all human and we have human experiences in this world. I mean, I know a lot of the times, as I'm sure because you're you're a speaker as well, that when you say these things, someone was like, oh, I thought that was just me who felt that way. I thought I was alone in that. And you're like, no, you just, nobody spoke up. You need that first person to kind of remove their mask and let the floodgates go so that people understood they were human. Make sense? Like, uh, it makes yeah. sense. I mean, people like to fit in. I mean, that's yeah. where masks start. You wanna right. fit in. I understand that need to belong but again, to your point, he, true human connection, like speaking, you'll never see me cross my arms. You will always see my heart open yeah, to open. you because my real hope is that I, even through this screen, and the only thing that I would say that I don't like about is we both have these mics in our way, right? And that is a thing. It's, it's in the way. I can't connect with you the same as if just you and I were looking at one another. So that is something that does get in the way. And by the way, whether it's sales or connecting with your partner in life, your spouse, this is a real thing too. If you're ever blocking your heart, they feel it. So anyway, not to get totally- No, no, no but I, I completely agree. I agree 110%. I mean, and I think, you know, like you said, like whether it's sales, whether it's a personal relationship, I find a lot of people overcomplicate these things. <laughs> they overcomplicate sales and they overcomplicate, you know, networking and all that stuff. When it really, all it comes down to is just- you know, part of my French, just give a shit, <laughs> like, right? Like just caring and keeping your heart open for another human being. No one cares what you know until they know that you care. Exactly. I'm telling you, it comes into my life so frequently. I know. I'm going to print it out and I'm going to have it on my board now. Cause I know that I know the quote, but I feel like, 
you know, you've said it enough now that I need to, I need to remind myself a little bit more of it. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so when you have, when you have been leading over the past couple of years or 20 years or whatnot, you know, what can you say has been your biggest challenge when you've kind of had to deal with people being people, I think, you know, can you, can you give us some insight into kind of a top challenge or a solution that was brought forth? Yeah. And it's, it's really going to go back to what I said in the beginning in the first company that I led and I was part of being in a leadership role, quote unquote, we were going to succeed through sheer grit and desire and just youth. And we did. And, and that was awesome. The second company wasn't, and it, we were far more knowledgeable. We had far more resources and assets, but again, getting back to being, getting really clear with our values. One of the biggest things I coach people on, I'll ask nine, 99% of the companies that I ask, what are your cultural values? 99% cannot tell me what they are. Nope. And let me give you a story on that. So I have been a part of four different companies where we've done that. And the third company, we had six core values and I'm doing a keynote speech. <laughs> And somebody goes, hey, what are our values? And I could think of five. And I got stuck and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I was so smart that day that I decided to add a seventh value. I couldn't think of all six, <laughs> like, but I'm like, darn it, we're missing this one. So now I can't even repeat the values that I was a part of coming up with, which took like two and a half days to really whittle down to these yeah. six values. Now we have seven. And my point to this is, the biggest challenge I figured out is how to make something digestible and repeatable. So you'll always hear me talk in threes because our brain, there's science and we don't have time to dig into all this, but there is science when it comes to our brains. We can remember three. Think of the three amigos, the three musketeers, the three stooges. I mean, there's so many threes out there. Are the three blind mice. I mean, there's, you could go for days on this, but you can remember three. When you get past five and even the moment you get past three, it becomes less digestible. Right. So one of the first things I just coach on is, hey, what are your cultural values? And if you can't tell me like that, that's the first thing we're going to work on. So as a leader, that was the biggest challenge was understanding how to make that digestible. And that took me, geez, that took me at least uh, a decade to figure that one out. So it's only been 10 years that I really understood and grasped that. Yeah. And I think to your point, you know, just having them be digestible makes the ability for your, your people to buy into them easier because I think we've all been a part of a company where there were values, but they were kind of half-assed values, we'll say, <laughs> you know, or not where people weren't bought into them or if they were, it was kind of a, yeah, well, maybe this is a real value, but we really know what goes on behind closed doors type of situation from a leadership perspective. So to your point, you know, having them be digestible for the leadership as well and understood and succinct is so important so that you can get by and you can actually serve your people, right? Yeah. I mean, literally every meeting we start with are our values and then the mantras and awesome. the values are, are innate, what we believe in. The mantras are how we want to act. So perhaps you could look at it as these are what we strive to be. Maybe it's not second nature to us, but we strive to act this way every single day. So the point is to your uh, point of making it repeatable, you just have to do it mm -hmm. and have it be something that everyone can really buy into. And it takes 66 days is the new studies. I know, to I know. It changes. Yeah. 
Yep. And you're like, dang, 66, that's a lot. But how many times have you said something in training or talked about your cultural values 66 straight days? Again, I venture to say there's not a company I've worked with that has. And so that, those are some of the small practices that you can do to really improve your leadership and get buy-in with your team. Yeah, I mean, even our solopreneurs out there, you know, I find a lot of people who come to me and they're like, I want to make the money. I want to make money. And I'm like, back it up. Like, what do you have as a value system that's feeding that? Because that's that feeds into your why, all of those things. Because on the days when, you know, maybe the money's not rolling in or, you know, a client just screamed at you or whatever those bad days are, those are the values that you're going to fall back on. Those are the things that keep you going. Yeah, and people know what they can who you are, what you stand for. And, and if you're not clear, and, and especially if you're starting to look for somebody. So there's something called the reticular activating system in the front of our brain. And I get geek out on neuroscience. <laughs> like it. So, Bring it on. Okay. So if you get clear on these three values, it's kind of like driving down the road and I'm looking to buy a, I don't know, a yellow Mustang. Okay. Well, I probably never saw a yellow Mustang driving down the road until I'm thinking of buying one. Now my eyes see them and I'll be like, whoa, there it is. The same idea when you're clear on your three cultural values, those people that you want to build and bring onto your team, or if you're a solopreneur, the clients who you know are your, you're going to find them. You're going to see them immediately. And it is truly, it sounds like you said, woo woo earlier, guys, it's not magic. Not. It's just the way we're wired. Yeah. I mean, and, and I love the fact that you, you know, brought the science into it because, you know, you're going to see what you want to see. So program it correctly and programming it according to how you want to show up in this world from a company perspective and as a personal, um, from the personal perspective with your value set. I just, I love that. So thank you for bringing the science together with the woo-woo. We like that here. Yeah, they can go together. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, I mean, what else can you tell us? What is something that, you know, you wanted to be asked that I, that I didn't? Because this is a great conversation, but I also know that you're a wealth of information too, so. Oh, man, you know, I do that to the, my podcast guests too. And it's a tough one because you're like, I don't know. I just, I want to provide whatever value that your audience is. You know, I think what I would tell people since we're talking about values Look at doing it in your home as well. One of the things that people don't think about as an entrepreneur, if work isn't going well, you're not going to perform as well as you want or need to as a husband, a father, a mother, whatever label you're, you're at, you can't. And vice versa, if your health is all screwed up, how can you show up as the best entrepreneur? And so one of the things I guess I would say is I have a positive work-life balance assessment sheet on, on my website at letsgoin.com. It's free. Check it out. I do it at least once a month because if one of those things is out of whack, and actually you mentioned Brendan Bruchard, he is also one that has something similar. And what's funny is we're both from the same hometown, uh, 60,000 people in Montana, this tiny little, and we're a year apart anyway. Um, but if one of those is out of whack, you can't show up and be your best version of whatever you're trying to be. So I guess I would leave with that uh, to check that out. And if I could just add and yeah, figure out your routine to put yourself to be the best version. I do the same morning routine every single morning and it's by design because I've done it so many times. And when I don't, I don't perform as well or something slightly off. So 
find that for yourself. Find that trigger, whether it's a song, a poem, a quote, the Bible, I really don't care, that allows you to show up as your best version of you. Yeah. I mean, to your point, that work-life integration approach, right? Like you can't, you know, as we were speaking about earlier with the masks, you can't put one work mask on and then one life mask on and expect, you know, it all just to kind of blend together. I've always, personally, I've always had a challenge with work-life balance because when you look at the pie of life, business, you know, and work is a slice of it. So how can you balance a slice with the entire pie? Um, it's kind of always in my head. So, you know, thank you for saying that. I think it's very important to hear people say that it's not, it's not a compartment, you know, you can't be compartmentalized when you're looking at it, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, you have to be looking holistically and then build those habits around it. So thank you for driving that home. I appreciate it. Um, Tell people where they can find you because I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the, the thing on your website, which, you know, you were going to definitely drop in the Thriving Entrepreneurship Group, but tell people other places they can, you know, come find you. Uh, they can go to Let's Go Win 365 on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and they can definitely connect that way. Uh, check out the book if, if you're looking for, if you're flying from New York to LA and you're like, you know what, I need something I can read. <laughs> That's not going to completely bore me to tears or put me to sleep. I think you'll get some tangible takeaways. So I guess, uh, and you can find that on the website. So let's go in.com or let's go in 365 for social I love media. It. And I'll make sure to drop all of that in the show notes too. And I've, I have officially put your book on my list of books to read, which is extremely long, but I will get there because it just looks great. Man, isn't that the truth? Those of yeah. us that love to read, oh, then goodness. you're like, uh-oh, because your list is like this long. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I'm always reading like five different books at five different points, but they all mean, you know, they all come with some different meaning for me. Um, so they come in and out of our lives and they come in for a reason. I, I truly do believe that. So, but anyway, well, <laughs> I hope well, you enjoy it. <laughs> I, I'm sure I will. Well, thank you very much again for joining us. And for those of you who are not in the surviving entrepreneurship community, I'll be dropping that link to the freebie directly in that group. So jump in if you're not a member and make sure that you take advantage of it. Because as he said, it's, you have to understand the integration and the balance between work, life, all of the things that bring you joy and are in your life. So, well, thank you again for joining us today. I you know, just had a great time talking to you. Shall I had an awesome time. Thank you so much for having me. Whew, everybody, I think that might be an episode that I may have to re-listen to time and time again. You know, he just has just such an amazing and eloquent way of stating, you know, all of those different concepts around leadership. So if you're someone out there and you are, you know, maybe leading your first team or wondering how you can up-level your leadership skills, whatever that may be, you know, don't, don't over-engineer it, please. You know, just remember that these are people that you're dealing with and that your job is there to serve them, right? And sometimes that's hard because there might be people above you that you're trying to serve, people below you that you're trying to serve, you know, all around. And I can understand 110% how much pressure that that can feel like. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's up to you to set an example. It's up to you to look at the values that you are established with the company that you're leading or with the team that you're leading and walk in step alongside that, the values and the mission of that group, you know, and really ask yourself, am I walking the walk, you know, and not just kind of blowing hot air or am I actually showing up as the leader that I want to be? 
am I setting my ego aside as I step into that role? Am I so that I can completely step into the mission in which we're trying to accomplish as a company? So just some, some food for thought, right? And before I jump in to telling you more about next week's interview, I want to remind you about our new micro episodes that are now dropping on Thursdays. They are under 10 minutes long and designed to help you finish your week off strong. So you do not want to miss those less than 10 minutes. It's a little pick me up for you to get you through the end of the week. And on next week's interview episode, we are talking to, I get the pleasure of speaking to Michelle Wax, who is the founder of the happiness, American happiness project. You guys, she traveled all 50 States and talked to hundreds and hundreds of people all about, you know, how to achieve happiness, how they got there. And you'll be so surprised at some of the answers that she got. So you'll not want to miss that. And as always, if you love this podcast, don't forget to download, subscribe, rate, and review, and you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life. Right guys. See you later.